I'm, I'm getting myself situation. Okay, oh, good. God, I'm well, on camera. That's, where do I? Where do we look? You're going to look in that camera right there. Well, hello. Well, hello there. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us uh, this week uh, for what the the uh, nooner hump day nooner. Yes. Um, probably that, that that name will probably be changed at some point. But we'll. Oh no, I like the name. I think it's really good. Whoever came up with it, it's a pretty smart guy. Thank you, Jeff. Oh, I thought it was me. I thought it was me. <laughs> I thought it was me. It's usually how things work around here. We all take credit for something that may or may not be that good. Uh, <laughs> I'm joined by uh, Mr. Jeff Oske, stand-up comedian and Bob and Tom staff member. And uh, you can ask uh, either of us, both of us, um, one uh, or you know a question, and we will uh, do our best to answer honestly or refuse to answer at all. Um, Chris Spangle, of course, is joining us as our moderator. Chris, how are you? Hello. How are you today? It's good to see you. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, please uh, ask away. Uh, first, we should probably, what would you say you do here? <laughs> uh, I do whatever Chris Spangle tells me to do. I write uh, for Tom and uh, some different characters and uh, nothing. I don't do Sit around, annoy people? No, you, you switch during the morning. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I've run the cameras in the morning, so if you have the VIP, I'm the one uh, switching them and uh, cut down little videos. and uh, All the videos that you see on YouTube and Facebook, Jeff yeah. is the one that pulls those and edits those. Yeah. Yes, and occasionally fills in on air, uh, like yesterday when Chick uh, was out sick. Yeah. Jeff uh, joined us all morning, so. Oh, that was fun. Yeah. Your, sure. your commitment to what you do is phenomenal yeah yeah that's 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 what most people say about me and how many weeks out of the year are you doing stand-up uh, <laughs> this year about uh one night a month maybe oh, okay uh, yeah well i mean you not, not very not as much yeah you, I mean, picking up this job it's certainly yeah. uh which by the way uh this uh, friday and saturday night i'll be in dayton at the legendary wiley's comedy club uh one show friday two shows saturday uh with the uh Hilarious Kale Forbes will be opening for me. And, Great. Uh, it's a door deal, so come out because uh, <laughs> that means no, that, I don't get paid. That means when you buy a ticket, he gets a cut, which is yeah. a good thing. So yeah. definitely go. Uh, and go if, you, if you don't buy a ticket, he continues on in poverty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, last time I was at uh, Wiley's, I got home at like uh, midnight or 1 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday to uh, realize uh, apparently I'd forgotten to pay my electric bill. Uh, oh. <laughs> and so nothing better than coming home to a pitch black house at one in the morning on a Sunday. <laughs> Man. Did a little candle lighting, and I'm like, oh, all the, the the power must have went out on the street. And then have you ever done, you probably have never had your power turned off, but you walk outside to see if your neighbor's lights are on <laughs> in their houses, and then you realize they are, and you probably forgot to pay your power bill. All right, Casey wants to know, how did you go from a guest to a behind-the-scenes full-time employee? Uh, well, I've written uh, for the show for seven years now, and uh, uh, from home. And then uh, Jeff Vibbert, luckily for me, decided to uh, uh, seek other <laughs> other opportunities. He works at Barstool Heartland. He wasn't yeah. let go. <laughs> No, no, I, I in yeah. no way was insinuating okay. he was let go. He he went on to uh, to bigger and better things. So uh, I uh, got to creep in in his old spot. So yeah, 
Very good. James Hall, maybe you know this person, asks, what are some of Jeff's favorite memories from his days at Nativity? Can you explain what that is? I, uh, that's the grade school I went to is Nativity. And if that's who I think it is, that guy uh, used to beat me up in uh, grade school. So <laughs> I'm glad he's following my career, <laughs> my career now. Uh, uh, yeah, I went to Nativity. It was a Catholic school. Uh, one of my favorite memories was uh, during the winter. We had, a, we had a bus, but we didn't have enough kids who went to our school to use the bus to pick up kids. Does that make sense? So we just used it to go to the gym because we didn't have a gym at our grade school. And we had a uh, bus driver slash janitor named Buck who, uh, if you started ch- chanting loud enough, Donut... Uh, during the snowstorm, he would uh, do donuts in the parking lot. In the bus? Uh, in the bus, full of children. Wow. <laughs> for, for for multiple times. <laughs> he would do it on the bus ride at the other schools. Uh, and uh, in today's day and age, he would have been fired immediately. Yeah, yes. <laughs> but back then, that went on for four or five years. <laughs> you, you prayed for snow, so Buck would do some donuts in the bus with you on it. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Then uh, when he died, his son, Bucky, is that right? <laughs> took, over, <laughs> took over, and I'm not making this up. Uh, he tried to do donuts in the bus just like his dad did and slammed it into a uh, goalpost, oh. in the, uh, a basketball goalpost, and uh, the donut times were over. Wow. Okay, well, <laughs> Daniel wants to know, this is to both of you, is Tom really as busy as he would have us believe? We, uh, w- I mean, we're we're actually part of that, like, as we are to believe. You know what I mean? Like, it's right. not just as the audience is to believe. We don't know. You know what I mean? Like, we all are told that he's as busy as he, as he seems, but we don't know if it's real or not. He could leave here and go sit at home for four hours. I don't think he does, though. I Because he can't stand it. He... I suspect that there is an occasional nap that takes place after the show, which I totally get because you can attest when you're done with the show, your head is ringing. Yeah, yeah. And he's also he also gets here an hour and a half at least before I do. Yeah. So he gets up way earlier and he's, yeah. Um, we don't know what he does because he always says, I've got to go. I'd explain. I've got a thing. But it's very boring. Yeah. So th- that could be getting his car washed or it could be, like a very important meeting with lawyers. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, um, I do, I, he, he, yes, I think he is that busy. Whether or not all of it is important, who knows? <laughs> it's, he runs a, a big business, you know what I mean? Yeah, he, he has, does, yeah. He has a lot of, a lot of kids, and he's a very important man, and he's a great boss. Wouldn't you guys agree? Absolutely, oh, yeah. The best. The best. What, is he behind us or something? No. Oh. Just in case he actually finds some time to watch this. (laughs) (laughs) Matt wants to know, and you can answer too, Josh, if you'd like, what is your favorite thing that you've written for the show or the best bit that you've written? Uh, Mine, uh, my favorite bit is I wrote a uh, Mr. Obvious, like, four or five, six years ago that got played two or three times <laughs> that I'm proud of about a snake behind the uh, gas oven. But it's, Oh, was it a hissing sound? Yeah. And it uh, <laughs> turned out to be a gas leak and the person explodes their house. I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, 
I wrote that. I was proud of that. And uh, I've had a lot of uh, lines, you know, like uh, where I'll punch up other people's scripts or something that mm-hmm. get on. But uh, that's probably my thing I'm most proud of is that I got a Mr. Obvious made. Yeah. That's always. Uh... Can I say my favorite uh, one of yours? Sure. Would be the uh, the Sheet. Oh, thanks. Yes. Sheet was very funny. Thank you. Yeah, I know a lot of people. Uh, it pisses them off. Why? I think they find it annoying. I, you get well tweets. Do you <laughs> do you think they find the bit annoying, or how often the bit is played during a particular time? Oh, it may have been that. I mean, yeah, a lot of folks forget that they may be listening for for an hour or longer, but most people are listening for fifteen minutes. So right. Um, yeah, so that yeah, it did get played quite a bit in that like in a, in a short amount of time. So, can you explain what a writer does? Can you because there are writers for this show, believe it or not. Uh, I don't know if we're allowed to talk about that. All right. All right. Uh, well, maybe not. It, maybe just explain kind of what you do. Uh, we get uh, the news stories. We will uh, sometimes get ahead of time to. Uh, for maybe a call-in uh, or a joke for Tom, you'll send them. Uh, we work on bits, and, uh, you know, you'll write a ton of... That's the thing I think people don't realize with writers. You may write a hundred different things, and one or two things get used. Whereas, uh, you know, it's it's a lot of trial and error mm-hmm. of just pitching and hoping something's good and if it's not necessarily for the show it may be something you can use in your act or in a video or something later on so but every night i pretty much sit down for an hour to an hour and a half and work on writing call-ins or uh such as the um some other news character that's been calling in yeah um you know he'll have four or five jokes based on the the news right Stories yeah. that we've done. Yeah, which uh, have been going over great. I've been killing them. <laughs> now, Tom, in the mornings, becomes aware of the news stories we're going to do. Um, sometimes the night before, I, I, I guess. But Chick and Christy don't know about them in the morning. And I don't know about them until we're, we do them. Mm. And Chick and Christy only know them because they get them in front of them. Right. And when they get here. I don't want to know. I, I don't want to know any of the news we're going to do. Which, just for the record, and I know this is kissing ass, but you're so quick. Like I don't know. How, like I, I would have sworn, and and I know you, you aren't lying. I would have sworn you had those stories hours before and have written jokes. They, That's how quick you. I'm are. on an email. I'm on the writer's email list, so they get sent to me the night before. I'm a lot of times they get sent though. I'm already in bed. Right, they get set at 2.45 in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Um, We have one of the best prep staffs in the business. But even though I don't, even though I get them, I I refuse to look at them. And I will send Tom stories just based on a headline every now and again. Like we did that story about uh, the woman who got a ham um, and and blew up a motel. because. And I just saw the headline and sent it. I didn't read the story at all because I, just in case... I'm I'm just better when if jokes come to me in here as opposed to planning them out. You're so quick. It's so as a as a fellow comedian, it's really frustrating to watch how <laughs> quick you are. 
But I'm I constantly I'm amazed by that, and that's enough of that. But <laughs> I, I am very impressed with how quick you come up with stuff. Chick too, and Tom's very quick as well. It's yes, it's, but Chick I think just gets the sports stories. Does yeah, he, exactly. Yeah, he doesn't get the and and vice versa. Christie's not getting the sports stories a lot most of the time. I've noticed so. in the show that you two are kind of playing off of each other a lot more. Like you looked at him and said, "How would that sound?" Uh, between you and Chick, I really like that. Yeah. Oh yeah, thanks. It's fun, like because he and I have gotten to we're, we've gotten to a point where uh, we can, and he's great at picking up on something that I'm trying to lay down too. Where if I do uh, say a creepy voice for you know one of the pervers we have in a story, he'll jump on with it and play along with it as well. Um, or we you know we do faux sort of being angry at each other. <laughs> like, he's, yeah, he's really... Chick is one of the best comedic wingmen there is. All right. Patrick would like to know, Hello there. Josh, would you be angry if all you had to eat was a Lunchable? Like, I mean, meaning the pack? Uh, yeah, just one of those little Lunchables for lunch for the rest of your life. That's the question? Yeah. For the rest of my life? Yeah, yeah I'd be angry. That's not... Who, who I mean, I'd be, be angry, angry if it was... I take full responsibility for asking this question in the first place. Okay. I apologize to the audience. No, I just wonder. I'm trying to. That's an interesting. I mean, it's a bizarre question. Now, but I think anybody would be annoyed with eating the same thing for lunch every day, no matter what it was. How long have the two of you been comedians? <laughs> that was a smoothless transition. Yeah. Oh, geez. I started my first open mic in 06. Um, but I wouldn't consider my, I, uh, in terms of getting paid eight years, nine, eight or nine years. I, a lot of comics are like September 3rd yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, why, why and how do you know that? Uh, it, to me, it doesn't. I had a friend who would be like, this is my 1,422nd yes. show. And you're like, I couldn't even tell you how many shows I did last <laughs> no. week. Like do you, about how many years have you been doing it? About the same. Okay. Yeah. Uh, about. 11, I, my first open mic was 11 or 12 years, but I didn't take it seriously and, like, start getting paid for till like, eight years yeah. ago. Yeah, Probably, and I just started headlining maybe two or three years ago, smaller venues, like, obviously not funny bones and stuff, but, uh, yeah, I would say about, I don't know if you remember this, I actually met you probably six or seven years ago at some showcase at crackers hmm. and uh and i thought you were hilarious back then i thought i've always thought your your stand-up's really strong oh so. thanks man yeah we comedy is it's one of those things where time it's not i don't know it's i mean it's it's such a weird th you, sometimes i mean you can be in it for two years and be good or you can be in it for 18 and then finally get good yeah. so it's or you could be in it for two years and get discovered and you have a conan and you only have 10 minutes worth of material. Sure. <laughs> then yeah, you have yeah. people who have five hours worth of material that are amazing comics that you'll never hear of or you'll right. never come across on TV because they don't, you know, they don't live in New York or L.A. and they don't get seen by the right people. Yeah. Or, well, I mean, yeah, Louis C.K. has been doing it for going on 30 years, but we've only known about him he re, I for mean, the last 15. He was always... One of those guys in the early in the mid two thousands, I'd hear his name. Oh, this is the comedian that every comedian loves, but nobody outside of the comedy right. circles really pay attention to. Right. 
and then he just popped. But he even admittedly was like, I was doing the same act for 20 years. <laughs> and so I, and then I went, I got to either stop right. or change my hat. And he ended up becoming a pro, you know, just writing more and being prolific. So, but would you say, I, I would say, I don't know if Josh will agree with me. I would say that most of the comics that you hear about or that common, you know, everyday people hear about or see on TV, most of those people have been doing it a long time and you just haven't heard of them. Or the the general public hasn't heard of them. I think it's a lot less now with YouTube and there's a, and face, there's a lot of different ways to get your product out. But a lot of times you're like, oh, that guy... Uh, you know, he's an overnight success. And it's like, he's not an overnight success. That dude's been doing it for 10, you know, like right. Louis C.K. or even Dave Chappelle was doing it for 10, 12 years before people who knew who Dave Chappelle was. And it's, yeah. it takes a lot longer. If you want to be a stand-up, it takes a lot longer than you would think. It yeah, does. and now it takes, nowadays it takes even longer to make a living at it. Oh, it yeah. used to be that you could be a, an MC. And make a living at oh, yeah. it back in the 80s. And then a little later on, you know, you could make a living being a feature. Now, dude, make, making a living as a feature is tough. Oh, yeah. it's um, Well, if you have any life or family or kids, you can't. I mean, yeah, unless, if, unless your spouse is making... Yeah, rich. And right, yeah. You know, making essentially enough for Do you remember household. how much you made... Did your first MC week? Yeah, it was... Uh, Let's see. It was my first MC week was at the St. Louis Funny Bone, and they had they had nine. Let's see, a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, two Friday, three Saturday, one Sunday, and one. I'm sorry, and one Monday. So there was no Tuesday. That was the open mic night. So it was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine shows at sixty bucks a pop. Oh no, it was thirty. So nine times thirty. So, so is that why the two hundred seventy bucks? Yeah. Is that why the economics changed? Is just the demand for the amount of shows that you do had dropped so drastically? Well, that because you know after the comedy boom of the eighty, uh, there was a show every night, pretty much everywhere, and then it became less popular, and you know the bubble burst as it were. Right. And then shows a lot of clubs now Thursday to Saturday, some Friday and Saturday only. You still get the clubs that are. You know, Tuesday to Sunday, but a lot of those Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Sunday shows are showcase local showcases, or there's some a YouTuber will come in on right. one of those off nights, and uh, yeah, but also saturation of there were just there's just a ton of comedians, and if you say no, I'm not going to do this for fifty bucks a night, somebody will go, I'll do it, I'll right. do it, yeah. I'll do it for uh, twenty dollars yeah, yeah, a night, exactly. and I'll drive the comics all week, right? So. There's it, it's a, a few a few different things, and then you have the folks who you know, uh, Pauly Shore. Well, Pauly Shore, I mean, he's a, but the guys who were on TV in the '90s now going out and doing stand-up. You mean like the Trailer Park Boys, who right. Come down and do a, do a show, sell out, make thousands of dollars. Does that irritate you guys as a stand-up comic when you see somebody who has a name that people knew 20 years ago, and then they come in and they do a show, a stand-up show, and take a spot for? No. Who's it doesn't. It doesn't irritate me at all. I, to me, um, what? Yeah, I mean, what? I are there guys out there that I think should be getting more recognition and work than they are? Of course, but of course, people are going to pay to go see somebody that they saw on television twenty years ago and liked. It makes sense to me that they would want to go right. out and, and it makes sense to me that clubs would book them. 
It's a business first and foremost. So, yeah, I mean, um, I I don't get bothered by what anybody else does on stage. Yeah. It's just, it's not worth it. It's frustrating. I see, I saw the people ahead of me, and I still see it, where... Well, this guy got that, or the, that person. If you're wor- every time that thought crosses your head, you should write a joke. Exactly. Like it, exactly. The time you're spending worrying about what Bob got and you didn't, you should be working on your act so you get it next time. Right. And Bob does it. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, just I find that stuff frustrating because of that. You're in too much control of your own career as a comedian, in a in a sense that. For you not to, to, for you to focus on what everybody else is doing is a real detriment. I think that's it's how it is in any creative industry. Uh, you do something that you love for free for a period of time, then you get paid for it, and along the way, you just to collect your own audience that you can that yeah, you can right. make a living off of. Essentially, right. yep, yeah, especially these days. Right. Well, and I also, I would say, as a comic starting out, you don't realize that. It is a business, and it is about getting butts in seats. And I don't care how funny you are. If only four people want to come and watch you, that's a problem. Like, if you can be the unfunniest person in the world, if you're great with people and you can get 200 people to come out to your show every weekend, you're going to be successful. Whether I think you're funny or the club thinks you're funny, they're going to book you because you're bringing in 200 people every show. Right. Oh, plenty of clubs book people they don't think are funny at all. Wait, but be- what? <laughs> but they bring in, and that's to me that's fine. Let the audience decide. Right. Sure. So there's a very distinct difference between the craft of stand up and the craft of broadcasting, and especially when you're doing comedy radio and you're trying to be as broad as possible versus stand up. You're trying to do what you think is funny and get other people to agree. How have you guys tried to navigate that? that different skill i know for jeff especially we do content curation and that's much different than stand-up comedy and and crafting that joke has there been for you josh and way in jeff like a jump from being a stand-up to being a broadcaster in terms of your mindset uh only in terms of um you know this is improv and stand-up is written out typically so there's still some improv improvisation for me on stage when I do stand up, but it's the majority of it's been written out here. It's 99.9% improv. So, and the only reason I say it's not a hundred percent is because we might do a news story at eight 30 and I'll think of a joke at when we're on commercial and then I'll make it. And then we'll, I'll make, I'll make that story come back so that I can get that joke out. I don't necessarily consider that improv because it's premeditated. So at that point it becomes premeditated. That's the only difference for me. It's a, it's a big difference, but it's that's the main difference. I think you've made the the transition better than. I mean, I saw a bunch of people who we, they had a lot of guest hosts for a couple of years, and different people come in. And I know I'm horrible about making my jokes sound conversational, or even if I have a joke, presenting it as conversational instead of as a stand-up punchline type thing, whereas yours, that's why I was shocked when, you know, yeah, yours is just natural, whereas I think that is a learned, you may have had it naturally, but I know I've had trouble making, I feel I'm way better on stage than I am on air. 
and I and it's because I'm way more comfortable and I'm in my element and I know that works. Whereas when I'm on air, I'm like, well, I'm about ready to say something and I'm timid about it because I'm like, well, if this doesn't work. <laughs> and so then I get in my head and, and yeah. I just way overthink everything. And I think, yeah, if, uh, approaching it from an improv. Do you have an improv background? Yeah, I did it for a few years. Oh, okay. All right. Kelly wants to know. Let's get back to questions. Leave them in the comments section below. Uh, Kelly asks, Josh, how's the house hunting going? Uh, going well. Going well. Nothing, compl- nothing uh, absolutely confirmed yet, but I'm enjoying it. It's one of the, it's fun and str- it's it is stressful, um, but uh, it's kind of cool to go look at a house. And I have put in some offers and they were not accepted. Um, wa- waiting to hear on. Uh, Another one, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, it's, I, I'm enjoying it. Alex wants to know, for both of you, do you prefer video games or tabletop games if you had to decide? And if you like them, what what ones do you like? D- tabletop. Tabletop or video games. Like tabletop game ar- like board. ping pong? Or, yeah, do they mean tabletop arcade? Uh, I think they mean, like, Monopoly or... Board games. Board oh, okay. Games. Yeah, board games or video games. I'd have to go tabletop games, and I'm going to include in that um, not only board games, but like ping pong, bubble hockey, uh, air hockey, <laughs> pool. <laughs> um, my problem with video games is if I, I don't have a gaming system at all, if I did, it's what it's like what I would do. Like I would, I feel like I would sit there for ten hours a day and just get nothing else. So I, I've I've just sort of removed myself from it. That's a good move. <laughs> I've had, no, I uh, I've I've had to do. I got a used Xbox someone gave me one time, and I had to get rid of it because I don't have the self control to <laughs> yeah. uh, have a game and go to bed when I'm supposed to if I'm halfway through yeah. something. So, but I'm with you. I like uh, I like pool uh, billiards. Billiards would probably be my game of choice. Are you good? I used to be back when I used to hustle pool back. Like when I was 18, 19. Like you legitimately years. hustled? Yeah, that's what I, I I would do for extra money on the side. No kidding. Yeah. I am not that good now. But uh, my uncle used to be a pool hustler back when he was a teen. <laughs> really? And uh, yeah, he kind of taught me his thing. That's really interesting. Yeah. Jeff Oske is an untapped resources of crazy stories. <laughs> I, I got a lot of. He, uh, we, we it's the only time. It's the the last time I hustled was when I had a uh, gun put to my head outside a uh, pool hall called Sticks and Stones. Wow! And I had taken uh, five hundred dollars off some guy, and he decided he wanted it back, and uh, put a gun to my head, and I peed myself and fell on the ground and cried as he went through <laughs> my pockets, and laid there crying for another forty five to fifty minutes, and then Man. got up and went home and never hustled. Said, you know what? I'm not doing that anymore. Wow. It was a good hustle. I, oh, I'm so proud of myself. Oh, it was so good until I got robbed. oscar <laughs> has been here nine, ten months, I'd say. Yeah. And Oscar uh, Bailey and I meet every day after the show just to kind of coordinate what we're going, going to do on the web. I'd say two to three times a week he tells us a story <laughs> that I don't believe that someone <laughs> could possibly live through that story. Nope. I, uh, you aren't the only – there's – I've had many a friend who later on are just like, you know what? I always thought you were full of crap, but since I was here when this happened, I believe everything else. <laughs> You're kind of our bad luck, Brian. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's bad luck. 
<laughs> uh, Who's bad luck Brian? It's a it's a, the meme where it's like oh that, yeah, yeah, yeah that's why right. <laughs> memes. <laughs> Josh, yes. Vicky wants to know why you don't have a computer. Ah, Vicky, I get I get asked this quite often. I uh, prefer not to have one. Tom actually did get me one. It's a one of the, it's a very nice laptop. It sits in my office. Um, and he's cool with me not having it in here. I would just be distracted by it, so I prefer not to not to have it. Michelle wants to know, to both of you, what quote or saying that people often repeat is just complete nonsense? A couple of weeks ago on air, I mentioned how you'll walk into somebody's house and it'll say, live, laugh, love. Like that, that means nothing. <laughs> it's just... I mean, I guess it's meant to, you know, positivity or but you might as well just have a thing that says positivity. You know, like it's not, it's nothing. Live. (laughs) That one bugs me. Um, There was a uh, lady who I used to work for and uh, on her front porch, her, her, uh, her doormat said, uh, this house runs on Jesus and sugar. (laughs) I was like, that's an interesting combination. That's that's like somewhat folksy. You know what I mean? Like it's like, no, I'm not Boo. giving it. Saying it's the best, but it's sort of folksy. Like it, it's whereas live, love, love is just so generic. Like it's ugh. and they have it stenciled on the wall. <laughs> You're right. Like the, yeah, oh, yeah. The if worst. It, if it's on canvas and sold at Meyer or Target, it's <laughs> too cliche. <laughs> uh, Stephen wants to know what are some movies that are so bad you can't help but love them. See, this is if they're if I love them, I don't really think they're bad. So I ha- I'll, I'll I'll have to come up with some things that um, most people think are bad that I love. There's a movie called uh, Forces of Nature with Ben Affleck and Sandra Bullock that a lot of people hate. I I love it. I've never even heard of it. <laughs> um, what else? Um, Tom and I agree on this. Ishtar is, we both like Ishtar, and that's considered one of the worst flops and movies ever made. I can't think of any. Mine is Son-in-Law with Pauly Shore. Yeah. Really? I love that movie. It's fun. I remember, I haven't, look, I haven't seen it in 25 years. I remember thinking it was fun. I liked Biodome. I remember thinking that was funny back in the day. There's no way it is. Is there? No, no, it it can be now. I would hate to watch it now, but... The poli- I like the Police Academy movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, they're great. That's the first time I ever saw uh, boobies. Was oh, in, yeah. Uh, the yeah. Police Academy movie. My uh, babysitter showed it to me. <laughs> she let me watch it, and I was like, oh, boobies. <laughs> yeah, I like those. Those have got to be, I mean, those are terrible. Do you know the first time you saw boobies, Josh? Boobs. Pro- may, uh, on, t- on in a movie? Just in life. Um... I, I don't know. I mean, in a movie, maybe Revenge of the Nerds or something of that ilk. Because I would have been, I would have been six. Would I've been? Six? Yeah, that was '84. So I'm, I'm gonna have to say that live in person. Besides my mom, who because I was a baby, or right, whatever, right, seems even stupid to bring up. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, Whose boobs did I see for the first time? Other than your own. I don't know. I don't know who's, uh... Mine was the same babysitter that showed me. 
Will you tell us that story, please? Nope. All <laughs> no, right. I will not. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Jacob wants to know who would win in a fight, a gorilla or a lion? Man. If the lion gets a hold of the gorilla's neck, it's over. You know, like, like, but if the gorilla can somehow King Kong, like, his hands into the lion's jaws or something. Ooh, like, rip the mouth Yeah. I'm, I'm going lion. Yeah. I would have... The lion, I, I think, knows how to kill in a more efficient manner. Mm. I think. I'm going to... Yeah, I'm going to say lion. Uh, I just saw a bear beat a lion the other day on the interwebs. And, uh, was this one of those fake, like, computer... Things? No, it was a real, uh, a real like, Bengal tiger fighting a bear out in the woods. And the Bengal tiger was twice as big as this bear. And the bear, gave, uh, bear ran it off. Wow. And the Bengal tiger had it by the neck. And the bear still uh, still got loose, and uh, so I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go gorilla. That, well, they can get up in the tree. You know, yeah, they've got they the can aerial grab support. stuff and. Hit well, yeah, it. but that's not a fight. Well, I, I mean, not running away, but you know, you like like huh. Jackie Chan, it. You run up the tree and then kind of bounce <laughs> back on top of them. I don't think gorillas do that. All right, a couple more. <laughs> Steve wants to know if you could choose one food item to be calorie free for you. What would it be? Hmm. Man, calorie-free donuts. Soda pop. Final question. Alex wants to know, have you ever done comedy outside of North America, and what was the experience like, and did you have to tailor the material to that culture? We also had another question, what are the toughest audiences to do comedy in front of? For me, college audiences. Um, are the toughest because hate them. They uh, are so worried about being politically correct that even when I do self-deprecating humor about me being overweight, let's say they they legitimately feel like I am fat shaming myself. Oh yeah, and that I should feel sorry, like I, I that I should feel bad. And to me, that's so much more insulting than a fat joke. Right, the fact that they think I should feel bad. <laughs> Uh, I yeah I know I, you put it perfectly I hate them they're not they're not fun they think they know everything and they're so uptight I, I can't even imagine going to college right now I don't think I would I remember before my first college show I was super excited because I was like oh I'm doing a college right. these are you know college kids are open minded and they uh, you know they're finally away from their parents and they're ready to expand their minds and they're going to be free thinkers and Holy crap, I was wrong. No, the oh, exact opposite. I had the exact opposite experience. It was it was terrible. Yeah. I, I don't enjoy it's ter- it. And the, the thing about it is the money is insane. So sometimes <laughs> you still do them because they, you know, I guess what is the rule? That they, like certain organizations have a certain budget, and if yeah. they don't spend it all, their budget gets cut. Right. So they just throw money at you. And you're like, well, this is just going to be the worst hour of my life, but at least I'll be good for two months. Have you had to do the colleges where you do it during the middle of the day? Yes. Oh, I had to do one uh, in, the, in a commons, because that's the other thing, too. Even if they're not in, like, a good um, – actually, there was one college show I loved, now that I think about it. But it was in a theater at night. Oh. And okay. uh, I was opening for Mike Birbiglia, and they had they, – they were comedy fans. So they were re- – but a lot of times the setup is awful. 
It'll be at 3 p.m. in the commons area in front of the Subway, <laughs> like Subway Sandwich. And I remember doing that, and I could just hear, like, lettuce, tomato. <laughs> <laughs> but I got, like, $1,000 to open for somebody. Like, I did, like, 15 minutes. It was stupid. I yeah. once saw Tim Cavanaugh in a tent. It was this big, you know, festival with a dozen tents, and poor Tim Cavanaugh is performing in the front of a bunch of lawn chairs, essentially, you know, those metal chairs, and it had to be miserable. Like, looking back, knowing what I know now, like, but he's such a nice guy, good sport, that yes. he made it work. Yeah. I got booked at a place called Indiana Beach, which if you're from Indiana, you're familiar with it. If you aren't, don't go there. Uh but I got booked 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and they had set the stage and uh, up under the log ride. <laughs> so while you were performing, like every, I don't know, minute, whoo, like everybody screaming over the Amazing. top of it. And water sloshing out onto the microphone and no, onto you as no. you're, like, I, and I always grabbed the mic, so I had to put my hands in my pockets because I was feeling a charge from the. What? And not one person stopped to watch. They just walked by and pointed, like, what the hell is this guy doing? And I had to do 45 minutes. Man. To no crowd, just screaming above me. And then every minute or so, I'd just get hit with a slosh of water. <laughs> but it paid $1,000. So it was, was it worth it to you? I mean, I, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. kept my lights on. Right, right. So I loved That's it. so crazy. <laughs> is that the worst show you've ever done? It's it, it, Probably. It, it was the worst set up for a show that That's I've ever so done. funny. It was on the midway. So there's people like, you know, throwing balls at, you know, the jugs and all that. And people are cheering, but not for me. They're Man. <laughs> it was so worse. <laughs> I did do I did do stand up a couple times in Korea when I taught English over there. And I did cater it to not Koreans, but to the uh, other foreign teachers, the the other Ameri Americans, Canadians, British people who were there. And was one, it at a comedy club? It was at a bar, and I did, was between uh, a band. A band played, and then I, like, they took a break, and then I did stand up. The worst then, too. Yeah, um, it was it, it, the first, the one time I did it. One time was really good, and the other time was not good at all. So, did you take a break from stand up to go to South Korea, or had you not I really had started? Done yet? maybe three open mics before I went to okay. stand up or uh, Korea. Gotcha. I had done f four years of improv before I went to Korea. And then when I got back, I didn't do any more improv and just stand. Can I ask what the name of your improv group was? It wasn't bad. It was City Improv. Oh, okay. So yeah, it was like a, it was a, uh, short, it was short form. We did long form shows, but it was uh, the sh most of the shows were short form. Like whose line is it anyway? Fun. It was. It was actually fun. Nice. <laughs> All right, let's wrap up with this question from Polka Dad Justin. Swear to God, that's his name on. Poker dad? Poker dad. As in like Pokemon? Right. Gotcha. Uh, would either of you consider putting out an album? I have, uh, Jeff, you have. I, I do have an album. Thanks for asking. It's uh, available on iTunes. It's called Dream Killer. Uh, it's been out for two and a half years, and uh, I'm recording another one at the end of this year. Do you sell more hard copies or digital copies? Oh, hard copies. Because you sell them at your show? Yeah. Let me ask you this, because this is something I'm going to be facing here. <laughs> How much of your current act is on Dream Dream Killer? Maybe a third. Okay, that's good. Maybe a third of it. Because I just recorded, and I think I am going to release 
an album. Um, people want to, might want to know why I, did I record if I didn't have plans on because I was just I was just going to kind of release snippets or whatever, not oh like tracks. Yeah, yeah, tracks for uh, uh, satellite radio, but I might actually put out put the album out. Um, and if I sell it after shows in two months, it will be ninety percent of my <laughs> current. You know what I mean? Right. Like, what I'll have to go. You just saw this, so if you liked it. Well, a lot of people do want that because if they enjoyed you, they're like, oh, is that one story on there because I want my friend to hear it. And you're like, no, it's not on there. Oh, well, that's what I wanted him to hear. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, well, I guess you're screwed. (laughs) I really get the vibe that a lot of times people enjoyed the hour that they just spent with you and they want to support you. For the joy you gave them, and that's really what it's about, less about what's on the CD and oh, more about it is, it, it giving is, to you. It is, for sure, yeah. I've had people come up and just give me $50 and be like, oh, you want five CDs? And they're like, nope, just take the $50. Yeah, some and people will leave. tip you. Man, I saw a comic once just put out a tip jar. He didn't sell merch. I've seen that, too. I wonder if it was the same I'm not person. there. I'm not at Dude, that that level. is that's that takes some gall. <laughs> he went, I don't have anything to sell, but it, uh, just a tip jar. And people were, you know, putting it. It was like, oh, uh, man, I couldn't do it. Because, like, my merch, right now I just sell a T-shirt that says half fat because I've got a bit about me being a half fat person. And it's like a drawing of a half fat guy or whatever. And it says, it has my, my uh, social media handle. And... The best is when people, A, they want to support you and they like the merch. Right. That's, it's fun. You can see that at thatjoshonald.com. Yeah. Yeah, I still have some for sale. All right. That's all. We're out of questions. All right. Oh, okay, cool. Cool. Well, thanks so much, everybody. Really appreciate you taking the time to uh, uh, ask questions and to watch this. And if you're watching it uh, after the live, really, uh, thanks very much for uh, checking it out. Jeff, thanks for joining me, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.